Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Bring, bring it back. Hello and welcome to the EPL Roundtable podcast. I'm your host today, Jake Jackman, and you can get us at the show at EPL Roundtable on Twitter or emailing EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Smith. Here to talk about Burnley. I edit the Northern and have a newsletter, which goes out on Substack every Monday. Hi, I'm Dan Arsmuthan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. Obviously, we're starting with the the big topic. Um, it's sort of the the soap opera of the Premier League over the last few months has been Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his job security, um, and it's finally come to an end. Um, and he's been sacked by Manchester United, so he has gone um, after a four-one defeat against Watford, which you know is bad in anybody's books, but it was particularly damning after uh, some of the the sound bites coming out over the international break on on the work that has been going on behind the scenes. So um, yeah, it did did seem clear that the players weren't playing for him. Uh, Harry Maguire getting sent off as well, which which was extremely uh, weird, worrying for your captain to do in, in such a a big moment for the club. But um, yeah, I just want to get your guys' thoughts on. Uh, the way it ended, um, do you think that this is the right decision was finally made? And um, do you think that his, he, he will have a good legacy or, or at least how, how is he going to be thought of in, in years to come at Manchester United? I think it's definitely the right decision. I think it's it's very difficult to argue that Solskjaer should not have been sacked. And it probably should have happened a long time ago, to be honest. I think he's done very well to keep that job for so long. Um he did pretty well as a caretaker, but there was no need to give him such a long contract before the end of that first season. They should have left him in interim charge and left him to, to see how he got on there. But I think they bit the bullet too early in giving him the job. Um, and I think really they've, they've sort of made the inverse mistake from what they did when they had David Moyes in charge. I felt like... They were bad under Moyes, but the squad that Alex Ferguson left behind was so poor and the recruitment when Moyes came in was so bad. I think he was on a bit of a hiding to nothing. Um, but Moyes' record is that he's a club builder. And we've seen that at West Ham now that he's doing that, albeit over a second spell after West Ham also didn't give him the patience and time and money that he needed. Um, so it's almost like having... Sack Moyes arguably too early. They perhaps should have given him a bit more time to try and turn that ship around. They've then left it too late with Solskjaer. Um, and I'm sure we're going to come on to potential replacements. But in the meantime, in the time that Solskjaer's been really flailing in that job and struggling badly, Antonio Conte is now at Spurs. Mauricio Pochettino is at PSG. These are two outstanding candidates for the job. We've been linked with it for a long time. 
who now clearly unavailable right now. So it's it's a funny one. Um, just after the international break is also quite odd timing. They could have done it two weeks ago and had two weeks to find a new manager and get everything put into place. We obviously saw a lot of changes just before the international break. Um, Villa, Norwich, Newcastle, not that long before the break either. So it seems strange to to leave him in charge and then the Watford game to be the final straw. He seems to have had so many final straws. I'm not sure what was so bad about the Watford one. Uh, I mean, it had to be the Liverpool match, surely. I can't understand how he survived that one. So I think it's been coming for a long time. Um, it's difficult because he seems like a really solid bloke. He's just not cut out for elite management, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's the right decision. You could argue even more than a year too late. I, the, the the process behind it is the process behind Manchester United has been a disaster for years. Um, but like as Jamie said, why on earth is this the final straw? Like you could have fired you could have fired him a, a couple weeks ago after the Liverpool game, or even just as he said, going into the international break. You have time. Then you come out. The international break ends. There's not another one for the rest of the calendar year, um, not till I believe March. And now, well, that's the perfect time to do it. And then you have another bad game against Watford, and like, okay, this is too much. This this game is too much. I'm not even convinced they would have fired him if they'd only if they'd drawn, which is again like that's ridiculous. Um, the process behind it is a disaster to do it now, um, but it is the right decision, and it it's finally done. Um, I don't. It's kind of weird. I, for me to speak on the legacy of Solskjaer, considering the entire thing with him was basically bring good vibes to the club, and I'm not in tune with the club. Um, but from an outsider's point of view, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a very again bad process hire. Because I think the game that like clinched um, him being hired was that comeback against PSG in the Champions League, which uh, they won three one. It was completely. It was one of the flukiest <laughs> games of football I've ever seen. They had five shots. Yeah, they had, five, they had five shots, which they scored three goals off of, and one of the shots was the, the as you say, extremely dodgy penalty, which led to the to the other shot. They just it was a complete fluke. You have the classic clip of Rio Ferdinand losing his mind, saying Manchester United back after that. It's like anyone who can think through, like who can look even like a centimeter below service level results can be like, mm, I'm not sure if this is going to keep up, but United gave him the job anyway. Um, and it's, it's just another example of Ventures Ned's management being utterly incompetent. Um, long may it continue from my perspective as an Arsenal fan, but I can imagine it's incredibly frustrating um, as a United fan because uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, and like, who should they point next? I've seen Michael Carrick is like, I've, I have to believe they won't actually appoint Michael Carrick because if they do, they have learned nothing, just nothing. If they actually appoint Carrick, like you're, you're Manchester United. Hire a, a Pochettino, Zidane. Those are fine. Like that would be totally fine. And you have a the squad is weirdly built, but there is a lot of talent in that squad that I think someone can do something with. Like you should. If they don't just throw the season away, I think top four is very much still uh, in the car, like a possibility, even if they haven't deserved it at all so far this year. They just have a lot of talent in that squad, even if it's kind of weirdly built. So just hire a competent manager 
and you can probably still have an okay season and then like try and move forward from there. I have no idea if they'll do it. it so we'll see, but. Yeah, it's a tough one. I'm not, I'm not quite sure who is out there that could come in. I see Zidane's quite heavily linked, although there seems to be mixed reports on, on whether he'd be interested in it. Um, you've also got Brendan Rodgers, who's been linked quite heavily, but Leicester are, are having a bad season themselves. Um, I'm not sure he's the, the character that will come in and, and Manchester United fans will get behind straight away either. Um, so it seems to be that the the, the reports coming out is that they are going to go for an interim manager. Seems that Michael Carrick is, is is in the in the frame for that, and so is uh, Darren Fletcher, I believe, is is the technical director there. So it's definitely it does feel like they're going around down the same route as, as Solskjaer. But you know, if they can get Zidane, they should look at what Thomas Tuchel did at Chelsea last year. I'm not sure. You know, I think there's still a lot of questions about Zidane as a as a top level manager. Uh, although it's difficult to make those arguments when he's won the the trophies he has done at Real Madrid. But you know, there there are still questions there. But if you if you bring in from the, somebody from the outside, he's got he's got more ideas, uh, and we know that Zidane's very good at managing the big egos. Um, he's managed Cristiano Ronaldo before, so I think that would be helpful. Um, See so if they can bring somebody in. I definitely think it would be a, a positive, and they can still salvage the season. Like Chelsea, when they brought in Tuchel, they they were talking about top four, and they ended up finishing top four and winning the Champions League. And Manchester United, um, you know, they they could do that. Um, I don't think they they will, but I didn't think Chelsea could this time last year either. So. Who knows? So um, yeah, I definitely think they've got something to salvage this season. I don't if they bring in Michael Carrick. Um, you know, I've I've seen at, at my own club recently uh, as employing the coaching staff of the previous manager might lead to a little bit a, a slight change, but it's not really a, a massive change. Um, so I'm not sure that's really gonna solve things long term, especially as either the same coaching staff that that a lot of the players seem to be criticising their training sessions and stuff. I'm not really sure what. You know what would change um so say say if they didn't uh point it into a manager who, who do you guys think would be the the right appointment for them in the summer or, or even now if they are available yeah the, the strange thing about it is that they've made it clear that they want someone for the rest of this season they're not going to try and get the next manager now so at the moment they've got michael carrick as the interim manager before they get an interim manager it's like the caretaker for the caretaker. It's really, really strange. I, I was trying to think of a similar situation where someone's come in in this situation. I think did Goose Hiddink maybe do it at Chelsea where he came in for like the rest of the season just to see how the season? Really, really odd. Rafa um, did it, I think, um, for Chelsea at like 12 years after um, Diveteo, I think. Yeah, Chelsea's obviously a very strange club in that they seem to be the one that can change their manager every two years and it doesn't affect their success at all. But Normally, you'd want some sort of stability long-term plan. That's obviously what United were hoping for from Solskjaer. Um, but like I touched on earlier, I, I feel like waiting so long means that they've missed out on some of the top candidates. I thought Antonio Conte would have been a really, really good choice for Manchester United. Um, and I was almost surprised that he took the Spurs job because that I think Spurs need even more turning around than United. I think United's squad's in better shape. It's still a bigger club, all right. Spurs have got the new stadium, so off the field they may be set up for success all the time. But I think right now, if you were talking about a club that was ready to win things now, it's more Manchester United than Spurs, even though there is still a lot of work to do there. And I feel like Conte is probably the sort of manager that United need. Um, a lot of clubs 
when something goes wrong with the manager, they then go for the polar opposite. Um, and that's not necessarily the right thing to do, but I think Conte would have fit the bill in that regard. I think with Solskjaer, like Dan said, he, he was very much sort of vibes manager, just like tried to keep everyone happy. No doubt probably good at managing the dressing room, even though as soon as it starts going wrong, there's talk about training. These stories always come up, don't they, whenever someone fights to get the sack. Um, we understood the club, all this kind of, so it's important stuff to manage a club, but in terms of on-field stuff, he just fell way short. So Antonio Conte, for me, the guy sets an incredibly high standard when it comes to training. Tactically, probably one of the best managers in the world. Can't really argue with his record. I think I heard today five league titles in seven years, I think. Um, so he's as much of a, a guaranteed winner as, as you could get. Fortunately for Manchester United, the fact that they didn't sack Solskjaer after the Liverpool game and then had the result against Spurs that meant they sacked Nuno and they got Conte instead um, means that that's not going to be possible. Um, there's some speculation that it is still going to be Pochettino is the main target and that's why it's going to be the end of the season because PSG won't let him go in the middle of the season. Um which is okay, but they could have appointed Pochettino before, so so why nine? I think it's it's a strange one, and I think it's it's pretty clear from the way that they've handled the whole situation that the people in charge of that club just don't really have a clue what they're doing. Yeah, it's. I mean, why now could be attributed to pretty much every decision Manchester United <laughs> has made in the last uh, how many years? Uh, many. Um, but as far as their next manager, I've actually been pretty pro Brendan Rodgers. This is not the job for him. Like he's a good um, upper Europa League, maybe like borderline Champions League level manager. I that's not where United are. That's not where I aspire to be. Um, I don't think that would be a particularly good appointment. Um, even if I, I don't, I think he's a good manager. He's not like a meme that he was perceived a, a couple of years ago before he took the Leicester job. But he's that's not what he's for. I don't think anyway. Um, the Don, I like Jake said, it's I, I it's kind of hard for like there were no obvious tactical things that Don did at Madrid, but also at some point, like the teams were just good. Like they were just good. Um I know Madrid tend to have a lot more talent than everyone else, but there is at least something to ma- being able to manage that better than it seems most people were. Um and you know, you do have a lot of talent. So I think he'd be a fine appointment if he wants to live in Manchester, which is always up for debate for whatever reason. Um um, I haven't been there, so maybe there's very good reasons. Um, uh, Pochettino, again, I think he'd be fine. Um, I don't know if Ten Hag is actually ava- is actually attainable, but he would be good. Um, really, just just get a real manager. Like, just don't go Michael Carrick. I mean, I for my sake, I hope you do go Michael Carrick, and maybe Michael Carrick's actually good. I'm going to assume he's not until I see otherwise. But for my sake, I hope they do something similar to Solskjaer, where they just try and go for a vibes guy who then has a couple good results and they give the con they give the real contract too. But um for my actual what I think you should do, um Zidane, Potch, and if he's available, Ten Hag are all pretty high in the bookies um odds and would all be fine to me. Surely if they want someone who who understands the club and he's got that history and is available right now. Surely there's an outstanding candidate, Jake, right? Recently available. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would love if, to see that. <laughs> that good a manager. If, if uh, Steve Bruce is that good, why yeah. would he not get the money I job? 
No, I, I have. To, I think I saw Sol Campbell said today on on one one media station. I don't know where that he, Steve Bruce should be considered, and I think that would be excellent. Wouldn't that? That would be wonderful. Please. I, mean, that's I don't what think everyone wants to see really. No, I don't think they're that stupid. Um, although you know they might prove us wrong there. <laughs> that does take us nicely into the next topic. So Solskjaer is gone. We don't know who's taken over at Manchester United yet, but there were three new managers uh, in the Premier League this weekend. Steven Gerrard at Aston Villa, Eddie Howe at Newcastle, although he wasn't at the game, and Dean Smith uh, straight back into management at Norwich City. And uh, two of them won, one of them drew, none of them lost. Um, so yeah, I just want to get your guys' thoughts on, on the three appointments as a whole and uh, who do you think is going to do their the best job at the club they've gone into? I think they are all good appointments, to be honest. Obviously, only time will tell how they play out, but they seem to be solidly well thought out, which is more than you can say about a lot of managerial appointments these days. Um, I was a little bit surprised that Dean Smith took the Norwich job so quickly. Um, you normally t- see managers talk about wanting to take stock and see what they can learn from mistakes that they'd maybe made at the previous clubs. But Dean Smith seems to have just gone, had a week at home and been like, this is boring, I need to be back at work, and just took the first job that came up, which is interesting. Um, but I think Smith's on a bit of a hiding to nothing at, at Norwich in that expectations are probably so low. Maybe he feels it's like a, a free hit. Like, I don't know, but then they've won a couple of games now, so maybe they do think they can stay up. I think it's it's an interesting one. Um, I think Eddie Howe is a solid appointment for Newcastle. Obviously, as soon as the money came in, the Saudi money, sorry, not Saudi Arabia, honest, as soon as that money came in, there was all this talk about the... PIF, the, Jamie, silly PIF. <laughs> yeah, nothing to do with Saudi Arabia. It's just all the same people and that country's money. Nothing to do with it. <laughs> There was all the talk about big name managers and all the players they were going to buy, but realistically, Newcastle need the bridging era, right? They need someone who's first and foremost keeps them up this season, start to create the behind the scenes stuff that needs to be put in place, similar to what happened at Manchester City over a period of years where they got everything ready for Pep Guardiola to come in. That's the sort of project that Newcastle is right now. Firstly, stay up. Secondly, put everything in place, ready to take that club to the next level. Um, and I think Eddie Howe is a, a solid guy for that. Um, there's a lot of people who have just very short memories in football and see Howe as someone who got Bournemouth relegated. But to judge him on that is to f- completely forget that he took Bournemouth from the brink of going out of the Football League to the Premier League and kept them there for three, four years on one of the smallest budgets in the league. Um, all at the same time so yes they did get relegated eventually but what were Bournemouth doing in the Premier League in the first place like that club had never been in the Premier League before how took them there kept them there um, and built something over a long period of time I think is very relevant to what needs to happen at Newcastle obviously how was at Burnley for a time didn't really work out for him at Turf Moor a lot of Burnley fans don't really like how I always felt he had a tough task because at the time he came in, we'd just been relegated. We had quite an old squad at that time. There was a need to cut the budget, so a lot of senior players had to leave. The squad had to go through quite a radical overhaul in a short period of time. There was a lot made of the fact that 
how his family didn't seem to settle. He was still traveling down to the South Coast. Um, and his mother died at that time as well. So it was a difficult period for him off the field. And I just don't think it was a particularly good fit. Sometimes managers aren't a good fit for a club. Um, I can't say whether or not he is the right fit at Newcastle, but I think in terms of the profile for the manager that they need right now, I think he's been a solid choice. Yeah, I'm actually, I think Gerard is actually one I'm most intrigued by because I will admit I did not watch much, if any, Rangers when he was there because I look, SPL is hard enough to find as it is. Um, and it's not the most uh, aesthetically pleasing league all the time. But um, he did really well at Rangers. He was very good. Um, but he did kind of his own version of a kind of supper ball, but um, it, it works. It, it worked very well for him. So I'm very intrigued to see if he can do a good job at Villa. Um, because if he can, I mean, he's probably the next Liverpool manager. Um, but if he does, a, if he does a good job, um, that's the big question. Um, but I'm, I think he can manage that talent. But I, I don't think Dean Smith was using um, the guys they brought in this summer entirely correctly. I don't think Danny. I know they spent a lot of money on Ings, but I don't think um, older Danny Ings is worth shoving Ollie Watkins wide. Um, I think you want him up top, um, and just more Bailey and Blendia. But um, so we'll see how he does there. That's probably one I'm most interested in. Um, Dean Smith seems fine from Norwich. It's kind of it's like, as Jamie said, it, that Norwich job almost seems like a free hit. There's basically no expectations. Um, as you said, they've won a couple of games now, so maybe they think they can stay up. But um, at least when he took the job, I don't think there was any really expectations. So um, I think Dean Smith is a fine enough manager, so it seems solid. And if not, he's he can probably even hopefully do well in the championship. I've never been the biggest Eddie Howe guy because a lot of his time at Bournemouth, people were kind of like talking him up the table almost, like he should be moving up in his next job. But for like trying to keep a team up, I think he's totally fine. Um, he's a solid enough manager and I think he should be able to do a good enough job. I'm not going to, I would have hated it because we still have to play Newcastle twice. But if it was on the, if it was possible, something more like of, of, purely relegation avoid specialists like Tony Gulas or something actually would have been interesting to me because it's like it's much more you, you can almost treat it more of like an interim manager because if you can get the understanding of like we just want you for the rest of the season I have no idea if that was possible but something like that would have been interesting to me for Newcastle and then you could get more of a bigger manager next or over the summer um someone you that would have been really good. I was thinking Sam, but obviously he's already been there, so like that's probably not going to work out. I don't know if Pulis would have been cool with that. I don't know if Newcastle fans would be able to stand that. I totally understand if they can't. Um, but that would have been an interesting choice to me. But I told it's totally fine they didn't make it. Um, and I think how should be good enough. It's more I don't want I if I was a Newcastle fan I wouldn't want to be like yeah Eddie Howe is fine, but we have the money we have like the money to be better, but we're sticking with fine just because he's there. Um, but like that's fine. Newcastle being fine is a big improvement on what they are. So if they can even get there through Eddie Howe, that's fine. And it, it's great. And it's a good appointment. Yes, it's a weird one because we've come from such a... Newcastle has changed like in the last few weeks in that we're, we're probably the highest... We're probably the team that at the bottom of the table at this point of no wins. I don't think there'd be another team in that situation that is so high on morale. And obviously the takeover and the managerial change has got a, a big reason to, for that. I think Eddie Howe, is, he wouldn't have been my choice. But I think he's come in and he's spoken well. Um, I definitely saw a lot of improvements yesterday. Um, so I, I'm 
I'm willing to to see how it goes. I I do think that it's it's harsh to judge him or relegated Bournemouth, considering he got Bournemouth way above their station uh, and they were going to go down at some point. So it you know there was always a shelf life on them being in the Premier League, although they do seem to be on their way back. Um, but yeah, I think he's a good appointment. I like yesterday. Uh, we had more possession than Brentford. I think we had over 20 shots. I think we had nine shots on target. Uh, last season, we only had one game where we had more possession than the other team. So, yeah, it, it, he's already made massive stylistic shifts. Uh, the problem for him is going to be that at the, in defence, we've just got terrible players and it's going to be hard to... I think he's going to be a terrible defenders at Bournemouth too, so he should be used to it. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, it's like yesterday. I think that you know we drew three, or we probably should have won if we if we'd have played Martin Dubravka in goal, we would have won because Carl Darlow threw one in, and then he he made a mess of the third goal as well, and he just inspires no confidence whatsoever. So he's got a very easy thing that he can do next week to to improve the defence, which I'm sure he'll do. But yeah, there was a lot of positives to take, and he's obviously had a um, a big impact in in the way we play. So hopefully that that. Um, continues, but we are at a terrible position in the league as well. Like um, I think, I think it's more likely than not that we go down this season. Uh, I still think it's possible we stay up. Um, you know, it's still a lot of games games to go, and there will be other teams at points of season that take six points from twelve games. I don't think we're going to be the only team to do it. So um, yeah, the, you know, teams it it will happen, uh, and I'm sure we'll get. I don't think we're going to go down easily, but we're de- it's definitely a tough job. But we'll see how he goes, and if he does keep us up. Um, I think he's good enough to take us forward for another year or two, uh, and see. So yeah, I'm excited to see how it goes. And it's a big job for him because he was, he was close to becoming Alan Kerbish if he didn't get a job this season. Because uh, if you're out of the game too long, you're not going to get back in. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to see how he goes. I think Gerard is a. I think he's more of a manager than a coach. I think that the fact he got his coaching staff from Rangers was important. I think Michael Beale was quite well thought of as a coach and. Yeah, I didn't see a great deal of their match yesterday, but it did seem like it was just a tight game. And at the end, um, Villa just had sort of the quality to take their chances. So, yeah, and to beat Brighton as well, it's a it's a tough game um, against Brighton this season. They they are doing fairly well under Graham Potter, so that's a good win for them. And I think that, yeah, Aston Villa should be higher than 17th, which, where they were when Gerrard took over. So I think that would be an interesting one to follow. I think that, I think it's more likely he harmed his Liverpool chances than then incre- improves them at, uh, at Aston Villa though. So yeah, I'm slightly surprised he took it, but I guess he, he thinks being in the Premier League is going to be good for him. And Dean Smith definitely agree. It, it's, he's got nothing to lose. I think he probably would have benefited from a little bit more time out, but maybe he thought he wasn't going to get another Premier League job uh, and maybe he would have had to take a championship job. And if you're thinking that Norwich in the Premier League and then Norwich in the championship, uh, uh, it's probably the job you want. So I can see why he went for it. Um, yeah, that's, that's almost like I'm securing the best championship job beforehand. <laughs> yes, exactly. before they're in the championship. Yeah, it, do, exactly. it does feel like that. It's like Norwich in the championship has a pretty decent chance you can go back up. Like They seem to be pretty good at yo-yoing. Yeah, it, 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 I definitely think that's what he's thinking. But at the same time, you know, he, he, it ended quite badly from at Villa. That was his boyhood club. Maybe a little bit of time away would have benefited him. But... We're only really gonna know for sure if if that's the case in a you know months years time. So um, be interesting how that plays out. But yeah, I think that I think they're all good appointments in their in their own way. And um, I think that 
they, they've all got the potential to be good managers at their clubs. I just want to get your guys' thoughts before we move on. Which which manager do you think is going to do the best at their in their new post? Yeah, I think um, I I I'd go for Howe out of those. I think Smith's going to find it really difficult to keep Norwich up, and he might bring them back. But I think so much of that club depends what happens with transfers, and I don't think he's got control. Um, it was just on a side point, I thought it was really interesting that around the time Daniel Farker was getting the sack, the technical director at Norwich, Stuart Webber, was doing a lot of press defending his own record about the fact Norwich's squad for the second season in a row in the Premier League is terrible. So that's Webber's job that should be on the line, not the manager. Um, so how much control Smith has there, I think, will have a big impact on what he can actually do there. Um I'll, I'll stick with how like I say, I think he's a club builder. I think the Newcastle job is set up for someone to do great things, um, short-term, medium-term, long-term, however long it takes. Um, I think everything's going to be in place for, for how to do that. So, um, obviously, really difficult to keep Newcastle up, given the start that they've had. But Norwich have just won a couple of games on the spin. So, if they can do it, I don't see any reason why Newcastle can't. And then that, that gap that is above them at the minute would would soon disappear. So yeah, I think Howe's going to do a good job at Newcastle. I think I'm going to go with Gerard because I, don't know, I think if Howe keeps... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Newcastle up. He has a lot of room for growth, but also, um, do we know how much control he has over transfers at Newcastle? Um, I'd, at the moment, I'd probably say quite a lot, but yeah, it, it seems I, to be I, the I don't know how much are. control he had at Bournemouth, but I did not like Bournemouth's business for a lot of his tenure. So that's kind of where I'm. I think I that think that go. I think Michael Emanalo seems to be heavily linked in in coming in in some sort of role. So it, it okay. does seem a sporting director will be coming in. So I don't think Howell's going to have as much tr- control as he did at Bournemouth. That's probably a good thing. Um, I'm still going to like just because like as as Jake says, there's a like Newcastle are they don't have a win yet. They could absolutely go down, and that just sets back how by it sets him back by a year um, at least. Um, not that that would be his fault. Um, but I think it just like if you're in the championship, that's limiting your your a, a room for achievement. Um, especially with a team with uh, Newcastle have extremely high expectations now. Maybe not this year, but in the you know the mid medium term. Um, and I think I don't know. I think Gerard did a good job at Rangers, and I could see him doing a good job at Villa. Um, 
So I'm going to go Gerard. I'm not like hugely confident in any of them because like Gerard's not a total unknown, but a reasonably big unknown. Um, but uh, I think that's where that's who I'd pick. Yeah, that's fair. Um, just before we move into questions for uh, about Arsenal and Burnley, I just wanted to to quickly raise the news this week. Um, the Premier League have landed another money spinning deal this time in the US. So Dan might be in a good position to speak on this. Um, it's, they've been sold uh, for two billion uh, to NBC again. Um, so it seem, does seem to be a, a, a remarkable deal for for a, considering you know that the American market wasn't the main market a, a long time ago. I think the UK rights are still higher, but you know it's huge growth going in. Seems like the Premier League is going to continue to get richer and richer despite the pandemic. Um, I just wanted to ask each of you quickly: Do you think that the Premier League is going to become a closed shop over the next few years? Uh, you look at the the Championship right now. We see Bournemouth and Fulham and West Brom leading the way. Stoke and QPR not long but not long behind them. Uh, we've obviously seen Norwich, Watford, Brentford have, have all come up, but we, we we don't know how how long they're going to stay in the league. Do you think that we're going to see the same sort of 25, 26 clubs just become on a rotation in the Premier League and stories like Bournemouth and Brentford and Swansea um, are going to become uh, rarer in the coming years of, of teams coming up through the leagues? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Dan, Dan will be able to talk more about the TV deal itself, I suppose. But um, I think there is a risk of that happening. I think we've seen in the Championship increasingly over the last few years that teams are willing to spend money that they don't have to really just gamble and bet the ranch on trying to get into the Premier League. And if it works, then you set up. But if it doesn't, then you ruin your club. And I think Derby are the, the clubs that are in a absolute mess now because they've done just that but there's a long list of clubs that are in a similar situation where they've thrown everything at trying to get to the Premier League to get all that money and if you don't get the promotion then then you're really in trouble um, but I think Michael Burnley have shown that there is another way to do it obviously we've been in the Premier League a few years now, we've had a slow start again this year like we have last year but I'm still relatively confident that we can stay up um, and this is despite the fact until this season we were owned by local businessmen who were probably the poorest owners in the league. We've had to take over since, but hasn't massively changed our spending power. So I think there is a different way of doing it. Bournemouth as well were a smaller club that were able to survive in the Premier League for a few seasons. So I would hope that that can remain the case because obviously I support a smaller club, but for me, one of the best things about the Premier League is that it's very competitive and a Burnley can beat a, a Liverpool or an Arsenal like we've done in the last two seasons. The smaller teams can be competitive. But you see in some leagues like in Spain, um, you do see shot results, but I think the gap between the best teams and the worst teams is a lot bigger than it is in the Premier League. Um, whereas over here, even if you have an awful team like Norwich, they can still put results together. So... Um, I really hope that the close shop doesn't happen, but I think it certainly is a risk because there's so much money in the game now. Um, and teams in the championship just don't seem to be very well managed. Yeah, so literally being a close shop, or even even, even not even semi-literally, where it's like liter- always the same, you know, six teams rotating in and out, probably not. Um, but where it's like figuratively close to that, maybe, yeah, because once you get that Premier League money once or twice, I mean, it's, it's club changing. Um, and then, you know, the rich. It, the, the Premier League is a very 
rich once once you get the money the rich can stay rich just because there's no real there's no that not that much revenue sharing there's not that much control or there's there's lots of there's not that many barriers to stop the rich from exerting that power they get once they get that money um so yeah it could be come something of a closed shop obviously the way the championship works where like the top obviously the top two go up and then the the next four all fight for the last spot um there being that many spots and it just being a playoff system means there can always be a random team that slips into six and then you know wins the playoff and gets back in um but it, it may be harder for you we may see more of the same teams just teams that just got relegated go win the, go get those top two spots uh, much more regularly than we had in the past yeah because um as you say it's a huge huge new deal um and as i say more money means the teams have a better shot at stay at keeping their power um so literally no i don't think it'll be a close shop and i don't think that'll happen uh, and like literally, literally, as in we stop promotion relegation, I don't think that'll ever happen. Um, just to be clear, um, I don't think that's really on the table. But um, if that's misunderstood, I don't think that's ever going to happen, um, or at least not anytime soon. Um, but in that like figurative closed shop, yeah, I think that could totally happen. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's good, especially after the pandemic, a lot of clubs in the championship seem to be struggling. We see Reading or another club that spent a lot of money to try and get up, and now they've been deducted points and having uh, and having to sign Andy Carroll. So you know, <laughs> if you fail, it, well, it, it can go thing. bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I definitely think any, any of the clubs currently near the bottom of the league. I think whoever goes down this season, I'd be confident in all of them coming back up. I think. I think if Newcastle went down, I'd be. It's slightly different, of course, with the the money that they now have. But I think I'd be very confident we'd come straight back up. I think that Norwich, again, we've seen they've done it twice, so I don't see why I'd have any reason not to think they would. Uh, Burnley as well, I think, would come straight back up. And they were once one of the small clubs, but now they've been in the Premier League for so long that they, you know, they've they've established themselves as a Premier League team. So if they went down, they'd probably come straight back up. And I think that's the case and, for and probably maybe all any these of them. clubs except Brentford had that like infrastructure at this point, because they've all been in the league. They've all been in the Premier League, at least, you know, uh, three out of the last eight years or so, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of years out of the last couple of years, they have that infrastructure and they've had, they're built to be a Premier League team now um, that sometimes falls in the championship that can come right back up. Yeah, exactly. And we, we've seen with, with West Brom and Fulham, they were both disastrous last season this year. They've, finding it quite easy in the championship and Bournemouth too so yeah it, it's I think it's definitely one to keep an eye on uh, and Dan you say it's not going to become a, a literal close shop I, I think in the next 10-20 years I'm sure that will come on the table at some point of trying to get rid of relegation um, or at least decreasing relegation spots and if it becomes uh, uh, the same 24-25 teams I think you know they they say they've got a strong case for it uh, you know reducing the, the number of relegated teams or uh, increase in the size of the league, maybe. So it's definitely going to be an interesting one to follow. And I think I more think deals it, I like think this. I think is more likely than that. Um, yeah. I think that would happen first. Which, I mean, then maybe after that, I don't know. But I, I don't think that's... I think I think if, if something like a closed shop league is going to happen, it would happen in, in the Super League fashion more than a Premier League fashion. Yeah, I think that's fair. But moving on now to, to discussing Burnley and Arsenal. Um, we'll start with you, Jamie, and Burnley this weekend. A three-all draw. With, I think that's probably the most unlike, uh, the, the unusual Burnley result ever. I don't think I'd ever predict a 3-3. Three, three. Um, so I just want to get your thoughts on that. Was it, uh, is the defending at Burnley becoming more of an issue or is it a bit of a freak game? Um, what is sort of happening defensively at Burnley at the moment? 
Yeah, it was a really wild match. And that's two home games in a row now that we've scored three goals, which is very strange. Um, I'm not sure if anyone's dug up the stats, but it must be quite a while since that's happened. We're not known for being particularly free-scoring. I think you're right, the defensive side has to be a bit of a worry. Um, it was an odd one because we had a really good chance to win it at the end. Matty Vidra has gone through on goal and not scored when he probably should have. But I don't feel that would have been a fair result at all. Palace could have had five by half-time, scored three and missed two really good chances as well. So defensively, they have to be concerned. Um, but I was thinking about this, and it's difficult to put your finger on exactly what it is because it's the same goalkeeper, the same defensive unit that it's been for a few years. So there's no real concern over individuals in there. Um I think we are trying to be a bit more expansive than we have in the last few seasons. So I don't know if that's leaving us more open at the back or if it's just a case of things being a bit stayed and the fact that it has been the same defensive unit for so long is no longer a positive and that you need to freshen it up a little bit by bringing in somebody else. So I don't know what the, what the issue is. Um, we had such a strong defensive performance at Chelsea before the international break. I felt that was going to be a building block, a foundation to build on for the rest of the season. So I couldn't believe how easy Palace find it to, to cut us open. Um, but the flip side is if you take a, a wider uh, view and try to put it into context, I think teams at the bottom, you worry about their chances of surviving if they don't score any goals. The fact Burnley are now scoring plenty of goals, three in a row, sorry, two in a row, three goals at home. Um, in Maxwell Corner, we've got a player who looks cut out for the Premier League. He's got five goals in six games, I think. So goals isn't really a problem, and you would expect a Sean Dash team to, to get it together at the back at some point. Yeah, uh, I definitely do agree. And in addition to those uh, back-to-back scoring three goals at home, you also had a two-all away uh, draw to Southampton, two all away draw to, to Leicester, so he's scoring goals on the road as well. So it definitely seems to be a, a change in approach from Dyche. I just wanted to ask you about Corne, because obviously his goal this weekend was incredible. Um, it was it, It's worth seeking out if you haven't seen it, but um, he's been uh, like a breath of fresh air watching Burnley. I, I think, like Alan St. Maximan at Newcastle, he's the type of player that will make neutrals want to watch your team. Um, how sort of excited are you about him? Uh, and do you think that he has sort of played his part in this in this more free-scoring Burnley team? He's absolutely brilliant. Um, I think a lot of people were unsure what to really think because it's so rare that Burnley sign players from, from overseas leagues. It's just not something that we've done with any great regularity or any success, really. There was a lot made of the fact that the last one was Stephen Defoe. He came over from, from Anderlecht, I think it was. Uh, and Defoe did really well for us, but had injury problems, so it's difficult to say it was an unqualified success. Um, the fact that we spent quite a lot of money for us on corner was seen as, as a risk, I think, for a lot of people. Um, and also the fact that we seem to be bringing him into playing an attacking role, and he'd been playing at left-back in Liga because his team had injury issues, he was filling in. Um, so... I don't think people really knew what to make of Corne, and obviously not many people watched the French League either, so they hadn't seen him. Um, so it was almost a, a blank slate, really, but even when he came on for his debut against Dan's Arsenal, actually, 
you could just sense that everyone at the club was just desperate for him to do well. Burnley had been crying out for the sort of player who gets bums off seats, gets everyone really excited to go to the game. You're travelling to Burnley on the Saturday and you're thinking, oh, we're going to get to see Maxwell Corner play today. Um, and he's absolutely fantastic. He didn't actually play that well on Saturday, but still scored that just stupid goal. Um, but it, it'd been relatively quiet compared to the impact he's had in other matches. Uh, it's really interesting now, actually, that Burnley fans have got this thing where they always have to try and fix things that aren't broken. So, Corner's played up front for the last few games and he's scoring almost every game now. So, you would think just leave him to it and people want him to play on the left wing instead for some reason, which would not only take away the best goal scorer in the team by putting him on the wing, but also mean Dwight McNeil moving to the right, making him less effective. So, I don't understand that argument. So, for me, I'm just enjoying watching Kone ripping up the Premier League because Africa Cup of Nations is just around the corner. Unfortunately, we're going to be without him for a few weeks at the start of the year. So, we'll worry about that when it happens. But, yeah, really enjoying watching him. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Plays with great spirit, character. Seems to be really enjoying it at Turf Moor too. So, one way it continues. Moving on to Arsenal with you now, Dan. You've also got Alessandro signing that seems to be catching the eye unexpectedly in goal. And that's Aaron Ramsdale again, making a few very nice saves at Anfield despite the 4-0 defeat. Uh, what are you, your views on Ramsdale and has he really won you round now? Because I know when, when he signed, you did have your doubts. Yeah, he's just much better than I thought he was. Um, like, I, and I, I would not be surprised if he's not actually like, this good in terms of the saves he's making because he just hasn't shown that throughout his career. But even if he's only like 5% worse at shot stopping, then that's still a good goalkeeper. And he is very good at his feet. That is, um, that, that was kind of the point in us buying him, or at least that's what we were told. Um, and he is very good at his feet. So um, that is absolutely legit. And the shot stopping is better than I expected by a lot. Um, I was like, every time I saw him in uh, Bournemouth and uh, Sheffield United, he just, he never impressed in under any circumstance. Um, but he's been very good here, so I cannot complain. Um, he's very much at least won me over as like he's solid, if not like elite. And if he turns out to be elite, then wow, that's a that's a maybe not game changing because keepers can only make so much of a difference, but it's pretty close to a game changing um, signing, especially considering my expectations for him. So yeah, Aaron Ramsdale. <laughs> Yeah, and obviously it's nice to to have a good goalkeeper that is getting a lot of plaudits, but at the same time it's it is worrying um, if your goalkeeper is seemingly getting these headlines after every game. Where are you on Arteta at the moment, and where Arsenal are in their sort of um, development under him? At the weekend they could have went above Liverpool with a win, that didn't happen. But do you think that they are now a team that could get into the top four, or do you still think uh, sort of it, it's a, a work in progress? I, I think it's very much a work in progress. Um, so it, depending on how much you buy into the whole um, underlying, how much how much stock you put in underlying numbers, um, because our expected goal difference has us like 16th, which I, I don't think we're that bad. But also, like, because it's it's skewed by the fact that we got curb stomped by City and Chelsea um, without most of our squad, and now got curb stomped by Liverpool with our squad. So, eh. but um, so it's it's skewed a bit that way but also you would hope that would have 
evened out by getting a game against Norwich at home and like and um, uh, some other bad teams. Um, like I think I think we played Burnley, we played Norwich, um, we played Watford. You would hope that would even out a little. Um, so I, I don't think I'm not going to like fully go by the expected goals and say we're the 16th best team in the league. I don't think we're that bad. But also, I think there's a pretty clear gap in quality between us and Chelsea, Liverpool, City, uh, West Ham, who are just good. But they're just good. I know they lost yesterday, but they're good. Um, and then United have been bad, but they have a lot of talent and there's only a three point gap. Um, so I still think I, I in my mental table, I still have them ahead of us. Um, and Spurs have also been very bad. But um, they have one of the best managers in the league now, and they are only one point behind us. So again, in my mental table, I have them finishing ahead of us. Um, so that puts us at seventh, uh, which I think is probably below where I was hoping we'd finish this season, um, but not too far below. I think I put I picked us for six. Um, so that's fine i guess it's it's still very much a work in progress the attack is still very bad um Aubameyang is looking uh, pretty washed washed is harsh because washed implies that you're like actively bad he's not actively bad but he's not good either um like he's a probably like slightly above average striker right now which is not where we need him to be considering what we're paying him um and uh arteta i it feels just, I've been I've been against Arteta being Arsenal manager for so long, and I, I it feels so negative and just like almost mean to to fans more so than him to be like poo-pooing the whole ten game unbeaten run, and like we have gotten a lot of wins and beaten bad teams, which is something we haven't done in the last couple of years. But also, like my gut is still telling me like this isn't the guy. So um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he'll become that, but it's pretty rare that managers get two years in the job and then magically become take like two steps above where they've been. So, yeah, we'll see where it goes. But I'm not hugely confident in Arsenal finishing. I'm extremely confident we won't finish in top four. Um, and whether Arteta is the guy, I'm pretty confident he's not. But we'll see. Yeah, I think some good points there. Um, with Solskjaer gone now, he's obviously outlawed the Solskjaer and Lampard, so there's obviously uh, going to be a little bit more scrutiny on him, or whether that will be praised for him for lasting so long. We'll we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, they've got a... the athletic PR machine is strong. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Obviously, Newcastle next, but we'll come on to that in a little bit. But just before we get onto match previews, I just wanted to do a quick player watch. I wanted to ask each of you: uh, Is there a player? at your club that you think uh, that you want to see more of over the, the Christmas period, whether they're not in a team now or they're returning from injury, uh, anybody in that sort of area? Yeah, I was trying to think about this when I saw the plan quite early. And I don't think there is. I think we've got the team right at the moment. Like I was saying earlier, the defence is clearly not quite working. Um, I think medium term, the change that will be made is Connor Roberts coming in at right back from Matt Lawton. But Lawton's had a couple of good games recently. Roberts wasn't even in the squad on Saturday, which was very strange, considering some of the players who were. Um, so I'm not really sure what's going on there. Uh, he's had a couple of injuries since signing for us. Hasn't played in the Premier League yet, but he was fit enough to play for Wales over the international break. So it seems really odd that he's not deemed fit enough to be on the bench for us. Um, so that would probably be an obvious change. The only other 
thing that Dash could really maybe look at doing is move Corne wide if he thinks he can get another striker into the team that way. Vidra will probably be the obvious option, but for me, Corne and Ward looks like it's partnership that's working at the moment. Corne scores worldy goals every single week, so just keep playing them up front. Yeah, so I also agree. I think we've got the team pretty close to right. Um, Xhaka is, seems to be close to coming back from injury, so getting him back in midfield with Party will probably help. Um, and then, I guess, Tierney. If I pick it's Tierney, because um, he's not been great this season, but I do still believe him in, as a good, him, in him as a good player. And Nuno had a shocker on shockers um, on Saturday against Liverpool. He was very, very uh, young player, Welcome to the top level game. Like he was awful. I mean, he he passed in the second goal, so that wasn't great. Um, and yeah, so, uh, tyranny, I guess, is my pick. Um, as but as well as Nuno's done in his little um, stint in the side, I think that's coming to an end, and we'll see more tyranny. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair point. I'm I'm still own Kieran Tierney in my FPL team, so hopefully he comes back in. Um, <laughs> But yeah, moving into to match previews, uh, we'll start at the Emirates. Obviously, Arsenal are hosting Newcastle this weekend. And Dan, I am sorry to say we are winless at the bottom of the table. But I look at that game and think we could maybe win it. So <laughs> that shows you what I still think of Arsenal. What are your What is your thoughts on the game? Uh, you could win it. We're a very inconsistent team. Um, as much as it's, it, like I said, it feels weird to say that with like the ten game unbeaten run, even that just came to an end. But I, I. We have not had that many commanding performances this season, so you you could win it. I would still expect us to win it, um, just because. I mean, even even if you want to take the harshest viewing uh, of Arsenal this season and go just full underlying numbers, just look at that. We've still been better than Newcastle, and we're at home. So, I certainly. I certainly hope we win it because if we don't, um, I think a lot of the shine of this ten-game unbeaten run um, may come off, and people may 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 put a bit more, may stop trying to talk around the the worrying underlying trends, and may be more like, okay, maybe those are legit because there's a lot of like. Uh, there's a lot of oh yeah sure we have this bad um, these bad like shot numbers this bad actual goal difference bad ex- whatever whatever but that's been that's because of the City Chelsea and Liverpool games or and because we went up early in other games so we conceded a bunch of shots because we went defensive and yada yada and we, people might stop making those kind of excuses and just be like well okay maybe we're not that good um, if if we don't beat Newcastle but as I said I am going I'm going in expecting us to win that game. Um, because for as bad as we have been, you guys have been worse. Sorry about that. But um, I do think we have a better squad. Yeah, I, I guess for, from my point of view, I think that the weekend against Brentford, we we had, I think it was over 20 shots. I think we expected goals. I think it was about 1.9 to 1. So we, and we had more possessions. There's definitely signs of improvement. The problem with Newcastle is that our defence is terrible. So... I think Martin, Martin Dubravka will come in. Hopefully that will improve things. Uh, I think it will. Um, and I think that we, it's not going to be 
Newcastle against the top six team like we've seen in previous seasons. Eddie Howe definitely seems to be thinking that if he's going to be getting results up to January, he's going to have to attack because he can't trust this team to defend, which is fair enough. So I think we're going to attack. I think you're going to see, I think Joel Linton had a very good game yesterday. Uh, probably his best game for Newcastle. So maybe Eddie Howe's going to get a tune out of him for the long term. Uh, got Callum Wilson, who could cause a lot of problems for Gabriel and, and Ben White. He's the type of striker that defenders like, like playing against and Arsenal have a defence that can be bullied a little bit. So I think that's a positive. And obviously, St. Maximan uh, is St. Maximan. So I, I definitely think we've got a chance of going in to win. I think we're going to, yeah, there's going to be chances for Arsenal. We, we can't defend. We've got Kieran Clark in defence. If Saka and Smith Rowe, they will get chances. Yesterday, Tony and Embremo had so much space at times. Um, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I think there's going to be goals. And yeah, I, Arsenal more likely winners. But I think that. There's definitely reason to think Newcastle could do something. I was looking into Eddie Howe's record against the top six at Bournemouth, and I think his goal, his expected goals against, was actually lower against top six teams than it was against the rest of the league. So it does seem like he does have a a plan to get results out of games like this. And and maybe it's it's very generous of me to call Arsenal top six team at the moment, but traditionally they are. So yeah. <laughs> It's the our attack versus your defense is uh, it's the opposite of uh was it unstoppable force versus immovable object it's um <laughs> extremely stoppable force versus um object that hasn't moved in years uh, we'll <laughs> what in. yeah it will be it'll be interesting the object that can't stop moving <laughs> but yeah it it'll, it'll be interesting but yeah, I reckon there'll be goals I'm gonna go two two um but yeah it, I think it could be any result um and it should be a good one for the neutral and it is on television in the UK so definitely recommend watching that one and before we finish today we'll go to, to Jamie to preview Burnley against Spurs I think that's why Kev's not here today didn't want to didn't, didn't want to face you with that preview <laughs> yeah that must be it yeah I mean you don't really know what to expect from Spurs at the moment do you it's obviously very early for content there I watched their game today they were really bad in the first half and better in the second so yeah it's 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 an odd one um, presumably he will have them defending set pieces because we scored two from set pieces against Palace they didn't seem to see that coming even though we're quite well known for being dangerous from set pieces um, Harry Kane looked bad again today though after scoring a load of goals against part-time plumbers in the international break so hopefully he'll still be bad next weekend um, but yeah I think we've well, like we've been on the up recently. Defensively, it's still still a concern, like we talked about today. But I think it's an opportunity for us to, to continue the the positive momentum that we've had recently. I think we've got a chance to get at least a draw. Yeah, and I mean, if you continue your trend of scoring three goals at home, <laughs> you've oh, got exactly. a good chance of winning. <laughs> but yeah, thank you. That's it for today. So I just want to thank Jamie and Dan for joining me. If you guys just want to tell people where they can reach you, now would be a good time. Yeah, it's always a pleasure and happy Thanksgiving to anyone who's celebrating over the course of the next week. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do at Jamie Smith Sport. I write and edit the Known and Ever newsletter, which is all about Burnley. That goes out via Substack on a Monday, so feel free to subscribe to that as well. Free. Thanks for listening. I'm still Dan. I'm still an Arsenal fan. And any Newcastle fans, after you guys beat us next week, you can come yell at me at the underscore jersey underscore fence. <laughs> I'll definitely be taking you up on that offer. <laughs> you can get the show at EPL Roundtable. You can get me on Twitter at JakeJack with two ends. But thank you for listening and we hope you join us again next time.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.